In this episode, I talk about music from Rufus Wainwright and the movies The Elephant Man and To Be or Not To Be, the Jack Benny version. That's probably going to be fine, I guess. This, this, this one's going to be short. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek coming to you on a day in St. Louis. I don't know why I feel obligated at the top of the show to tell you what the weather is like in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, On a day that I'm recording it, that is not going to be the same day that I'm uploading it. It's hot. It's summertime, and it's hot, and people are freaking out about it because we're setting new record temperatures in summer. Uh, fine. Uh, Look, I believe in the need to help out the environment as much as we can, and all that as well. Uh, It's hot in summer. I'm not shocked by that, is is basically what I'm saying to you right now. Uh, I hope you're okay wherever you are and whatever temperature it is. Things are going... Actually, you know what? I don't want to jinx it, but things are going pretty well in my neck of the woods. Uh, things are kind of going okay. That's a new feeling. My new couch arrived. I've been talking about the couch for months. It's, it's come up on the show. I ordered a couch on, I think it was March 23rd. Somebody out there is obsessed enough to know if that's correct or not by listening to old episodes. I think it was March 23rd. I don't have the receipt in front of me. It was uh, toward the end of March anyway, somewhere between the middle and the end of March. I ordered a new couch, and uh, I was told it would take three to four weeks. And on week three, I got rid of my old couch. And on week four, there was no new couch. And I called, and they said, yeah, we're still waiting. And then they called me and said, yeah, it'll be in June, uh, which is way more than four weeks. And I had no couch for all of that time. But hey, the new couch finally showed up, and it's in the house, and I'll put a picture of it over on the blog. I'll tell you the address of that in a moment. I'm pretty happy with it, and I'm pretty happy with what I've done with my room as a result of getting it, because not having the couch for that long actually made me rethink the design of my living room. Because for the longest time, I had the couch kind of sitting... I've got a very open floor plan in my house. The living room flows into the dining room, flows into the kitchen. Just, like, not a whole lot of walls. So for the longest time, I had been using the couch as kind of a false barrier to kind of create division between the living room and the dining room. And kind of a a middle, middle ground area between the two. I've been using the couch in that way. It had been kind of cutting off the room. But not having it for so long made me realize that, wow, I really enjoy the open space when the couch isn't right in the middle of the room. So I did a little bit of reorganization, and the couch is off to the side. It's against a wall, and it feels good 
there and the room feels good with it there. I need to put something on the other side of the room just to balance it out a little and to have some additional seating for if I ever have guests, whatever the odds are of that. But I like my couch where it is against the wall and I like my couch. It turns out that it naps really well. I've taken several naps on it since it was delivered. So have my cats, Jonko and Maguire, uh, one of whom is in the room right now asleep behind me. Jonko's a sleepy boy. I saw Maguire kind of pad down the hallway, so he might think it's time for bed. I'm recording this later at night than usual. But uh, the guys, the boys, really seem to like it. If you follow me on my social media, I uploaded videos of that, and uh, they they seem right at home with it. They haven't been scratching at it. They've been respectful. They've been good. They've been sweet. They've been nice because they're good boys. And, uh, I mean, a couple little moments where they've kind of brought out their claws and kind of picked at it, and I've said no, and they've stopped, and, you know, stuff like that. But they're they're basically responding to it well, and they're, they're treating it with the respect that it deserves for the type of item that it is. I'm very happy with it. I like my couch a lot. I... Will not say that it was worth the wait, <laughs> because if I could have had it in the four weeks that they promised, that would have been perfect. It would have been wonderful. I would have been singing the praises of the store. But as it is, it uh, kind of arrived when it arrived, and uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's very comfortable. I've been, like, I'm already used to it, and already kind of, I know how I sit on it, you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wish it would have gotten here sooner, but I, I really like the couch, and you can check out pictures of it on the blog. The blog for the show, if you do like the show, the companion blog is over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.com, uh, or, sorry, is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. The, uh, uh, there's not a, there's not an official website for it. There's a blog and there's a Podbean page. Uh, you can also listen to the show on whatever podcast app of choice you are listening to it on right now. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so on. We're on all of them, I think, anyway. Uh, if you, uh, want to know more about me, I guess, sorry folks, this is a little bit more disorganized than usual. If you want to know more about me, go over to DerekBrink.com, you can click on stuff there. If uh, you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's available over at DerekBrink.BandCamp.com. Let me try that word again, DerekBrink.BandCamp.com. I think I said BandCap. That's not a word. BandCamp.com. It's available there. Uh, for zero dollars, you put zero in as your purchase price, and you can take whatever is there. And there are at least, I think, 13 albums there and a handful of singles and stuff like that. So uh, go, take, enjoy. I don't care that you're getting it for free. If you want to pay, you can. You can insert whatever amount that you want to. Somebody very generously a couple of months ago put in 20 bucks for a single. That felt great. But uh, if you want to pay, you can. If you want it for free, that's fine. I won't know. I don't collect your email address. I won't know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. So please do that over at DerekBrink.BandCamp.com. 
Um, I feel like I'm missing one. <laughs> I know that I should tell you that if you want to email the show and tell me that you agree or disagree with anything that I've said, the email address for that is db at derekbrink.com. And I always reply to emails as long as they're not harsh in tone. And sometimes I will even read them on the show. Not in this particular episode, but sometimes. So uh, feel free to reach out. I love to hear from my uh, dear, sweet, wonderful checkmates. You're all very cool, and I love hearing from you. Uh, This uh, episode is probably going to be a little short. I don't have a ton to talk about. I've already talked about the couch. McGuire is meowing somewhere in the background. He wants attention, so I should see to that. Uh, And also the air conditioner just kicked on, so you'll be dealing with that for a little while. So this uh, this episode's going to be uh, a little different, because I don't have a ton to talk about, and the stuff that I do have to talk about is going to be fairly straightforward and simple to talk about. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm kind of doing an upload for the sake of doing an upload, and for the sake of doing an episode, and for the sake of being in contact with you, and feeling like uh, I have something to say to you, and, and knowing that you're hearing it. So I, I hope that's appreciated. It's sure appreciated by me that you're listening. But uh, for the moment, I'm going to go see what me- what uh, McGuire is meowing about, and I will be back with you after you listen to a little bit of my music that's available over at DerekBrinkedUpBandCamp.com. I've got a little bit of music to talk to you about that I've been really enjoying this week. Uh, Just one guy and two albums from that guy. I may have even talked about one of these albums before on the show, and I apologize if that's the case, but I don't think that I did, because I think at the time that I initially received it, I was confused by it, and just maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it, but it kind of came back around, and uh, I've listened to it again and have enjoyed it. Uh, I want to talk to you about the last couple of releases from... A favorite artist of mine, Mr. Rufus Wainwright. I'm a big Rufus Wainwright fan. Uh, oh, oh wait, McGuire. No, no, no. Hey. Sorry, McGuire jumped up on the uh, counter where I'm recording this show and tried to drink my beer. Sorry, buddy. I love you too much to give you beer. That not good for kitties. Oh, yeah, sure. Sniff the microphone. That's fine. Uh, folks, he is uh, kind of tangled up in the mic right now. McGuire, uh, hey, buddy, no, you can't have this. Sorry. You need to, honey, I need you to understand, this is killing me. And you are much smaller and much uh, more uh, sensitive to things like this, and uh, it would not do good things to you. You can never have this. I love you so much you can never have beer, okay? But I love you. Okay. Yeah, you lay down. That's a good boy. Sweet boy. Uh, Rufus Wainwright, a <laughs> favorite artist of mine. Uh, this show is so much harder to do when I don't have a guest on it, and the cats aren't afraid of whoever else is in the room, and they're just out here milling about and making noise and doing whatever they want to do. They're such sweet boys. 
But we're talking about Rufus Wainwright, who is a sweet boy in his own right. Uh, kind of, I guess, in his own Wainwright. Uh, sorry. Rufus Wainwright has released a lot of stuff over the past year to two years. Uh, his most recent album, Unfollow the Rules, has been followed up by a bunch of live stuff and like studio like studio to live type recordings. He did an Unfollow the Rules live release that was fine. In that time, he also released another live thing and then another live thing <laughs> that uh, one of them is very, very new. One of them is just kind of new. I'll talk to you about the one that's just kind of new first. Sorry if I'm all over the place introducing this, but Rufus is at the stage in his career where it's a little bit difficult to summarize what the hell he is doing right now. Uh, over the past year, uh, this came out in 2021, I think. He released a live album that's Rufus Wainwright and Amsterdam uh, Sinfonetta, which I believe is whatever language they speak in Amsterdam for symphony. So I'm going to keep referring to it as Rufus Wainwright and Amsterdam Symphony. And it's a live per performance of him doing a bunch of his songs with a, in a symphonic setting, which is wonderful. And he's actually doing his songs and other songs. And uh, it's, it's just a wonderful performance. It's him, it's him doing stuff that you don't necessarily think about him doing live with a symphony from Amsterdam. And there's stuff that pops up on it that, uh, like, there's uh, a cover of um, Leonard Cohen's Who by Fire, which is a great Leonard Cohen song that people kind of don't know. Uh, but he also does, like, his own songs. He does, you know, Gay Messiah and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's... At the time that it came out, I got it on the vinyl because it was only available on vinyl at that time, or at least I could only find it on vinyl at that time. I recently got the CD copy and re-listened to it because when I listened to it on vinyl, I just kind of thought, what, what is this and what is this track list? There's a lot of songs on here I don't recognize, which is, I think, a fair and legitimate read of it, but that just means that those are songs that Rufus Wainwright is doing that I haven't discovered yet. You know, that's what that should mean to me. But at the time, I guess I just wasn't in the mood because I just kind of thought, okay, I don't understand this and I don't think I like it, and I set it aside. But being the Rufus Wainwright fan that I am, I got it on CD as well, and I popped the CD in just as background music while I was doing something else, and my immediate thought was, oh... I get it, and why didn't I get it the first time I listened to it? What was wrong with me at the time? Maybe I was in a bad mood. I don't know. Because it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's Rufus singing with a symphony and singing beautiful songs. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? So I don't know why I was upset with it the first time I listened to it. Upset may be a little bit harsh, but why I didn't get into it the first time that I listened to it. But it's really resonated with me this week. And I'll tell you what made me re-listen to it, is that in the past week, he also released a new thing that is Rufus Does Judy at Capitol Studios. Longtime Rufus fans will know that he has done the Rufus Does Judy-type performances for a while, and he's recreated Judy Garland's classic Carnegie Hall performance. And there's an album of Rufus Does Judy at Carnegie and that's, that's out there, and it's wonderful, and I love that, and I've listened to that a lot. I'm a Judy Garland fan as well. 
Uh, but he just released Rufus Does Judy at Capitol Studios, which is him recreating some of uh, one of her, I think one of her, I'm a little bit unfamiliar with this performance, but one of her famous performances at, at Capitol Studios uh, or something to that extent. I haven't read all the liner notes. Sorry if I'm wrong about that. Whatever. It's Rufus Wainwright singing a bunch of beautiful Judy Garland songs and songs that are associated with her. That's what it is. And fortunately, what it is is great. It's a guy singing songs that he loves, albeit not his songs, and doing a great job with it. He is at times joined by Kristen Chenoweth, doing vocals on it, and it's just a wonderful selection of songs. You know what? If you're familiar familiar with uh, Judy Garland's stuff, let me just read the track list to you. Come Rain or Come Shine, Alone Together, I Can't Give You Anything But Love, Putting on the Ritz. He does a lovely rendition of Putting on the Ritz. Uh, the Man That Got Away, A Foggy Day, How Long Has This Been Going On, Just You, Just Me, You're Nearer, Happy Days Are Here Again, Slash Get Happy, that's featuring Kristen Chinowich. Um, he does a medley of uh, You Made Me Love You, Slash For Me and, and My Gal, Slash The Trolley Song, and ends, of course, on Over the Rainbow. It's a wonderful romp through the works of Judy Garland, interpreted by Rufus Wainwright. What's not to love, you know? I love Rufus Wainwright, I love Judy Garland, and we've got Rufus Wainwright singing the songs of Judy Garland. It's fantastic. That combined with the Amsterdam Sinfonetta, or however you say it in whatever language they speak in Amsterdam, Dutch? Is it Dutch? It might be Dutch. Uh, if you combine those two albums into one listen, maybe put them all, uh, just like put them both in your player and hit shuffle, or both on your uh, phone or whatever, and hit shuffle, you have a really good time with a great singer singing really great songs. So do that. That's kind of what I did. I just listened to them back to back while I was doing stuff here in the house, getting my house in order, getting the couch in place and arranging the room around it. I, I listened to a lot of Rufus Wainwright, and I dug it, and the cats really seemed to dig it, too. I think they like Rufus just about as much as I do. So, Rufus Wainwright, noted dog person, if, uh, I hope it doesn't upset you, but my cats love you as much as I do. So, uh, uh, Rufus Wainwright, always a pleasure. He writes beautiful music. You should listen to it. He also covers beautiful songs by other people, and you should listen to them, too. And there's a ton of that out there right now in the stuff that he did with the uh, uh, Amsterdam Symphony and also the Rufus Does Judy release that he just put out or just any damn thing he's ever released. It's a good time. Check it out. Listen to it. And then come back and say, hey, I did that. Thanks for recommending it to me over at uh, uh, db at derekbrink.com. Email me and tell me that you love Rufus Wainwright because of me. Uh, and I will tell you, no, you love Rufus Wainwright because of Rufus Wainwright. Because he's great, and uh, that is all I wanted to say. I just wanted to say Rufus Wainwright is great, and I listened to a bunch of his music this week, and it's been a pleasure, and I think you, Checkmates at Home, you deserve to have that pleasure too. My grandmother used to talk to me Back when she still had her thoughts And sometimes she'd sing to me 
from the 1930s charts and Grandpa used to play for me Songs on his old guitar Now I've grown into a voice of my own I've got a couple of movies to talk about. It's... The part of the reason this episode's gonna be short is that I've spent a lot of time this past week just watching Mel Brooks movies. I talked about, I think in the last episode, I talked about how I'm reading his autobiography right now, which has led me to dive in deep to his movies and kind of watch them as I'm reaching them in his autobiography, basically. And that's what I've been doing most of the time. But there have been a couple of things that have popped up organically from that that I want to talk about as well, because I've got a Mel Brooks episode coming up. I don't know when, but I've got a Mel Brooks episode coming up, so I don't want to talk about the movies that he's done in and of themselves by themselves. But he also has a production company that a lot of people might not be aware of called Brooks Films that has done some really interesting work. And there's also some movies that have popped up just kind of around his work that that tie in and i'm going to talk about one of the movies that brooks films produced and i'm going to talk about another movie that is just kind of related to one of the movies that he did the one that i want to talk about from brooks films is a movie that if you're aware of it you have probably no idea that mel brooks was in any way involved with but he definitely was he was a producer on it and he let the the director have Free Reign, and that director was David Lynch, and this helped further establish David Lynch as being David fucking Lynch. Uh, The movie that I'm talking about is The Elephant Man. That's right, The Elephant Man, starring Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt, directed by David Lynch, produced by Mel Brooks, of all people. You wouldn't think it, but Mel Brooks actually has a really deep, serious interesting side that just doesn't get a lot of attention because he's, you know, it's good to be the king. He's that guy. But The Elephant Man was something that he fell in love with, and he found the director, and he found the the, the people to do it, and Brooks Films produced The Elephant Man. A beautiful movie that I don't know... I Like, I came upon it... I have the, uh, I have the Criterion Blu-ray. It's actually sitting here in front of me. I've had that in my collection for a while and have been meaning to watch it and just haven't. Um, and it just popped up in, in Mel's autobiography because he produced it and he talked about it. And I thought, you know what? I haven't watched that yet. I'm on this Mel Brooks thing. I'm going to sit and watch it. I'm going to watch The Elephant Man thinking that I've already seen The Elephant Man. I don't have a lot to learn about The Elephant Man, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing this, so I'm going to watch it. Folks, I don't know if I've ever actually seen all of The Elephant Man, or at least all of it in sequence. You know how that happens to you sometimes, especially those of you who are roughly my age who had, you know, cable in the early days of cable, and you would stumble upon to something and watch like half of it, but like you'd keep stumbling upon it and you'd watch different sections of it not in the right order. That happened to me a lot, and I think that's probably my experience with The Elephant Man, because I sat and watched it, and none of it felt unfamiliar, but in the sequence that it was presented to me, it felt like, oh, that's how this is supposed to go. So <laughs> I don't think I've ever just watched it front to back like that. And I, I finally did. And I am so glad that I did. It's such a beautiful movie. 
and so sad and serious and dark and not a, not really a laugh to be had in it unless you're a, a really fucked up person uh, but it, it, uh, it i mean it jarring to go from watching a mel brooks movie to watching the elephant man to watching a different mel brooks movie that's that's uh, quite a jarring experience but i i i so enjoyed diving into the elephant man and just remembering how gr- how great john hurt was and uh anthony hopkins was amazing in it anthony hopkins doesn't get enough credit for the elephant man i don't think because everybody just zeroes in on john hurt and the wonderful performance that john hurt did there anthony hopkins gets a lot of praise for his latter day work but he was just fantastic in the elephant man and uh, a deeply moving movie about well, I mean, it's biographical about the 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 guy who was the Elephant Man, debatably either John or Joseph uh, Merrick. History, I think, is now recording his name as jo- as Joseph Merrick, but at the time he was thought to be John. That's why they used the name John in the movie. Uh, check out the Wikipedia page and dive in deep on John slash Joseph Merrick. He's got a really interesting life story and. Sad and heartbreaking, but also heartwarming. Uh, just read about that guy. Uh, the Elephant Man, of course, is the story of a man who is severely deformed. I don't like using that word because I understand how ableist that sounds, but if there's someone to whom it applies, it definitely ap- applied to Mr. Merrick. Uh, just very... Uh, not uh, Not what you expect someone to look like. I guess is the politest way that I can say that. But a very intelligent man, a very well-read man, a very uh, uh, loving man, a a heart that had a lot of capacity to love that was very, very bruised and broken, uh, as so often those hearts are. Uh, The Elephant Man tells his story. Uh, With liberties taken, of course, because that's how these movies work, but it's... It's just such a beautiful movie that is a biography of, of Mr. Merrick, but is also a study of the human condition and especially the human response to disability at a time that we weren't talking about that in the same way that we are now. This movie was made in 1980. Incidentally, that's the year that I was born. Um, so 42 years ago, this movie was made and was talking about disability in a way that nobody was at the time. And really taking a cold, hard look at it and putting disability on display and studying the human condition and the human response to it. Um, I was surprised and disappointed to read in my study of the movie as I was watching it that, of all people, uh, Roger Ebert, famous film critic Roger Ebert, didn't particularly care for it. And I was shocked by that because I often put a lot of stock in what Mr. Ebert had to say about a movie, but he said of it that, in brief, he kept trying to figure out what what point they were trying to make about the human condition through the life of John Merrick, and he couldn't figure out what the point was. That's essentially what he said about it. He gave it two out of four stars at the time that he reviewed it. I guess he hadn't reached thumbs up or thumbs down yet. Um, he Yeah, he wasn't favorable to the movie, which just kind of proves that sometimes 
Sometimes a critic can watch a movie, and just because they watched it and just because a critic, that doesn't mean that they had their head out of their ass when they were watching it. Uh, I, I have an enormous amount of respect for Mr. Ebert. I cannot figure out how he didn't get this movie. Like, the, this movie, spoiler alert on a 42-year-old film, this movie ends with John Merrick, who has been occasionally throughout the movie shown building a model church. It ends with him finishing his church. Say, and the last words that he says, the last fucking words that the Elephant Man says and the Elephant Man are the same words that Christ said before he died. The Elephant Man finishes building his church. Let me correct that. John slash Joseph Merrick. Let me correct that. Joseph Merrick in this movie finishes building his church and says, It is finished. And then lays down and dies. And Roger Ebert missed the point? That's right, folks. I'm mad about a movie review from 42 years ago. I, I, I loved, 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 loved watching The Elephant Man this week. It did great things for my heart. I cried a couple of times. I'm borderline doing it now just thinking about it. I really loved watching this movie that I was sure I had seen before in the wrong order. And let me tell you something, folks. If you watch this movie in the sequence that it was meant to be watched, it really does something for you. It's a beautiful movie. That's what you tune into this show for, is to hear me review 40-year-old movies. Uh, but that's what we're doing. It's, uh, there's a beautiful Criterion Collection release of it right now on Blu-ray and I think also DVD. It's, uh, it looks gorgeous. It's, you know, there's a 4K digital restoration of it. It looks fantastic and sounds fantastic. And just, but even if it didn't, even if it looked grainy and awful, even if you had a VHS copy of it that was warped and crazy, it would still be just such a beautiful movie and such a beautiful script. Uh, Roger Ebert, may he rest in peace, could not have been more incorrect and in not knowing what the point was. The point screams at you for the whole of the movie, especially in the backdrop that we're against now. The Elephant Man is a wonderful movie. I really enjoyed watching it. Mel Brooks led me to it, and I had a great time. The other movie that Mel Brooks led me to this week that I didn't have quite as great a time with was the original version of To Be or Not To Be. Now, I said up front that I've got a Mel Brooks episode coming, and I do, so I don't want to dive too deep into any movie from his works, but To Be or Not To Be, spoiler alert, is probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Even though he is not listed as a writer, by the way, he did a lot of writing on his version of it, but he's not listed as a writer, he's not the director of it, he's basically just the producer and an actor. Uh, Mel Brooks had a lot to do with his version of To Be or Not To Be, but it's a remake. A lot of people don't even know that. It's a remake of a movie starring Jack Benny and Carol Lombard from 1941, which is also called To Be or Not To Be. Uh, imagine that. Uh, it, it, uh, the, the Jack Benny version I've meant to watch for forever, and being on this Mel Brooks kick made me decide, you know what, I'm going to watch that movie too. I'm going to watch the original version of it after I watch the Mel Brooks version, because I love the Mel Brooks version so much. 
Um, so I, I, I got a copy of that. Uh, by the way, there's also a Criterion Collection release of that. A lot of the best movies are on Criterion, and those uh, the best movies that are not on Criterion are ones that the directors are just sticking the muds and won't give up the rights to. But To Be or Not To Be, is there is a Criterion re- release of that, and it's wonderful. Uh, 4-3 aspect ratio, by the way, but uh, whatever, you can't, you can't have it all. Uh, to Be or Not To Be, the original Jack Benny version. Uh, I gotta tell you, I prefer the Mel Brooks version. And part of that is just I'm not a Jack Benny guy. I respect Jack Benny. I have a great appreciation for what Jack Benny did for comedy. But Jack Benny has just always struck me as a guy who... His his delivery is always just kind of uh, sleepy. Just kind of that, uh... Oh, Dennis... And very kind of just drawn out and very, oh, Rochester. Yeah, and just very sort of, I don't want to use the word lazy, that's the wrong word for it, but very, the way he plays himself is very aloof and very kind of light and very kind of floaty. And that's just how I always see Jack Benny, even when he's playing a little bit faster, which he doesn't to be or not to be. I just have trouble getting past that that's Jack Benny, and I don't know if he should be the guy playing a World War II movie, you know? Uh, That said, for being Jack Benny, it was a very good performance. It uh, it was very different from what I'm used to Jack Benny doing, because I'm very used to the Jack Benny show where... I mean, let's face it, at times on the Jack Benny show, he was just walking through it, and like I think he himself would have admitted to that. But to be or not to be, you can see the focus, but also he's Jack Benny. Whereas Mel Brooks, a a, a Polish-Russian Jew, he identified with the character that he was playing in a way that Jack Benny just didn't. You know, and you could feel that difference, especially being so familiar with the Mel Brooks movie. Watching the Jack Benny version, the original, I guess I should say, version, uh, directed by uh, Ernest uh, Lubitsch, I think is how you would say that. Uh, L-U-B-I-T-S-C-H. The Jack Benny movie is, you just don't feel the same sense of, I, I guess, personal connection that you do when you know that you're watching a Jewish man playing Adolf Hitler, you know? Um, The Mel Brooks version is very funny, but also really pulls at my heartstrings in a way that the Jack Benny version just didn't. It just felt like a Jack Benny movie, you know? And, And funny, I mean, having never seen it before, Mel Brooks took the best beats of that movie and ran with them and added a lot of much better beats and tweaked the best beats to actually be funny and good. Like the joke in the movie where, uh, in the Mel Brooks version, it's, uh, you know, Hitler is going to be uh, named, like, there's going to be a pickle named for Hitler because he's such a sourpuss. In the Jack Benny version, Hitler is going to be named after a piece of cheese. And they never tell you why. There's no punchline to it. Just Hitler's... They're going to name a piece of cheese after Hitler. I I, I don't get the joke. I don't know what the joke is in the Jack Benny movie. 
You know, like I genuinely, if anyone knows, write into db at derekbrink.com. Tell me what the fuck that joke is, because I don't know what the joke is in the Jack Benny movie, but I do in the Mel Brooks movie. That said, I'm glad that I watched it. It showed me that Jack Benny can play straight and can play serious and can play drama, which is not something that I knew about him. But at the same time, it uh, it didn't leave me feeling as gripped as the Mel Brooks version. There were many, many times during watching the Jack Benny to be or not to be that I was looking at my phone or playing with my cats, and, you know, that's just not what you want, you know, out of a movie. But a uh, significant piece of cinema. The fact is, this was made in 1941. That is, while World War II was still going on, and if nothing else, wow, does that take balls. Infinite amounts of respect, infinite, infinite amounts of praise. It deserves to be in the Criterion Collection if for that, for that, if nothing else. This movie should be remembered. This movie should be celebrated. This movie should be applauded. This movie should be watched because it was made in 1941 while the war was still happening and still made fun of Hitler. It, it came out before the U.S. had even entered the war. That's some serious balls on the writers and on the director of that movie. So, yes, we should absolutely be celebrating this movie. If I've said anything that was too harsh about it, given that backdrop, I apologize. I don't mean to do that. I, it, it just, this version isn't for me, but it deserves the respect of everybody in the world, including those of us that it's not for. Personally, I just prefer the Mel Brooks version. So those are the movies that I've watched recently, The Elephant Man and To Be or Not To Be. So kind of a, uh, kind of a Mel Brooks segment in a show that's not about Mel Brooks, because eventually you'll get a Mel Brooks episode. That's, that's what happened just now. I collect short stories Of lost loves and past glories Some of them are too long to pass the time Some of them cost more than their Okay, words. folks, that's it, I think. Uh, a much shorter episode than you're used to from your old Uncle Derek. Sorry about that. I've just been so buried in this Mel Brooks thing and in the couch delivery and in other things that are going on in my life that I, I don't feel like I should talk about on the show. Uh, I, I, uh, I've been a little bit negligent in my reviewing of new stuff or in my listening or being exposed to new stuff or even old stuff that I want to talk about. I talked about a movie from 1941 in this episode. Not exactly new, but it was new to me. Uh, I, I haven't... Uh, I haven't been branching out in the ways that normally would fuel an empty checking episode, but I hope you got something out of what I did do here, because I had a good time with the stuff that I, I talked about. And I've been having a really good time with the Mel Brooks movies. That episode needs to happen sooner than later, but we'll, we'll figure out when that'll be. Uh, in the meantime, I, 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 hope you're, I hope you're good out there. There's a lot going on in our world right now. There's a lot of political stuff that I know people don't want to hear me talk about on what is essentially a pop culture show that I too often skew political on. 
but uh, there's a lot going on, and I, I, I just hope you're on the right side of it. And I have a feeling that if you're one of our loyal checkmates, you are on the right side of it. And if you're not, I, I have confidence that you can get there. You know? Because being a good person is really just listening to your heart. And I know you can do that. You know? So do that. And uh, in the meantime, I'll try to keep you entertained with other stuff. I'm going to do another episode next week, and uh, I, I I think the week after that it'll be followed up with another Fab 15 episode with my brother Dave, which we've already recorded, but I, I need some time to edit that, and I think there's going to be just another episode between, because this is my show and I've decided to do that. Uh, but we'll, we'll do another Fab 15 episode, and the episode that'll be coming up is the Fab 15 Summer Songs, because we're getting into summer here. Uh, that, that may be next week if I get, uh, lazy, or it'll be, be the week after one of the two, but, uh, I wanted to get at least an episode or two in between. I, I look forward to that episode, folks, because I had a lot of fun doing it, and I think Dave did too, and it's, it's gonna be a good episode. Uh, I, I can foresee this show over time just eventually transitioning into being the Fab 15 and not being empty checking anymore, uh, which I know would disappoint some of you, but th- th- people have been responding to it really well. So many of you have reached out with really nice things to say, and some of you are even sending in... Uh, sorry, I just hit the microphone there. Sorry if you heard that. Some of you are even sending in uh, your own suggestions for Fab 15 episodes that we should do, and that's... That's exciting, and that's fun, and I love that, and we'll we'll get to you, I promise. Uh, we, <laughs> we've been having a lot of fun doing it. Um, there's some stuff coming up that we're, it's going to be a little while till, until we can record a new Fab 15 episode for various reasons, but uh, and I won't go into that either, but we've, we've been having a great time doing it, and I'm looking forward to doing that some more, and uh, as soon as it's as soon as that happens, you'll you'll get your new episodes. But there's one coming soon, and it's the Fab 15 Songs of Summer. You'll either hear that next, or you'll hear that in two weeks. In the meantime, thank you so much for letting me do this and for letting me come to you with you know, old stuff and new. It's uh, always a joy to talk about the stuff that I like. So thanks for letting me do that, and thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Until we get back together again... There's stuff that I always say, and I'm going to say it. Please continue to take the pandemic seriously, which, by the way, is still going on. And in many places, the numbers get are getting scary again. Uh, St. Louis, I think, is doing kind of okay right now, but uh, I'm, I'm breaking out some of the masks in places where I haven't been before uh, or, or recently. So maybe you should, too, especially if you're, you're in a place that is particularly uh, at risk right now. Please continue to take it seriously, and please continue to be safe. In fact, be serious and safe even when it's not as bad. Because um, that's the way you, you you beat stuff like this. You take it seriously even when it uh, isn't, you know, in your face all the time. That's true of so many things in life. Uh, said a lot more about that than I meant to. Uh, <laughs> hey, continue to take the pandemic seriously and behave responsibly is all I'm trying to say. Apart from that, please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that all LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, 
and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And folks, checkmates, friends, brothers, sisters, siblings, please, 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 be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Hey, McGuire, that's my beer.